Hey y'all, welcome back to Boundaries and Grace. My name is Taylor Chandler and I'm your host. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and I help people break toxic love cycles. You're listening today to a recording of The Single Mother Effect. I recorded this live on Instagram. This is a tough conversation. I believe it's really helpful to start the conversation that many of us avoid intentionally and unintentionally. I think these are a lot of things that we're just not even aware of, which is why I'm getting really deep into some of the barriers to having this conversation at all and confronting it head on. I think it's really important to understand what the problem is before you just try to dive in and solve it. So I'm going to lay the groundwork for you on this episode. Sit back, take some notes, and I will see you at the end. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. Happy what day? Wednesday? Wednesday. Um, this isn't, uh, I didn't plan on doing this podcast live. I'm re- That's why I have these headphones on and this mic in front of me. Um, but I'm recording this episode live and I'm actually going to go ahead and pop it up tomorrow. Um, the, ep- the episode, The Single Mother Effect, and this podcast is called Boundaries and Grace. It's on Apple and Spotify. And so I'm going to tell you talking about, hey, I'm going to try not to look at the comments as we go. I don't I didn't tell anybody that we're doing this live. okay? Um, probably for myself, (laughs) probably for myself. Um, And I I really did not plan on doing this live. But I one of the reasons why I wanted to do this on Instagram is because um, I think it could be helpful for people to people find me on Instagram first most of the time before they find me on the podcast. And so I decided to just go ahead and do them both. I used to do my podcast more live. But anyway. Anyway, I've had a lot of guests on instead lately. So, uh, yeah, this episode will be up tomorrow on Apple and Spotify. I'm going to be talking about the single mother effects. And I'm going to try. This is such a big issue that I'm going to try to I'm going to try to stick to the notes. I'm going to try to stay out of if any of the any comments that might come up. And um, I'm going to break this down into three parts. OK, the um, barriers to addressing this issue how it's affecting current relationships. And this is for men and women, okay? This is, I I did a lot before that was more directed at women, okay? This issue is very genderless. Um, It's just sometimes easier to separate it into compartments so that we kind of, people know when to listen and how to listen and how to relate to the information because it's a lot. It's a lot. So I'm gonna try to take it slow. So I'm talking about the barriers, how it's affecting current relationships, men and women, Okay. And this can be this is regardless of your sexual orientation, uh, and then what you can do about. It. So we'll see. If, we'll see if I see, see this take. No, I think my help. Let me start off with stats. Okay. So, so stats across the board. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Um, quarter of the United States under 18 single parent households. Closer to 70 percent of Black Americans growing up in single parent households, and then the vast majority of that for everybody single mothers. The other the other kind of interesting uh, statistic to me is that um, in the United States, 11 percent of families live in live in homes with extended family. Okay, and around the globe, that number is closer to about 35 percent living with extended family. The United States. As much as we like to let's stay on, let's stay on topic. That's for me and for you. The United States likes to present as a top dog, right? At this point, many of us realize that might not be the case. And so, just in terms of like family and relationships, it's, it's just very, very weird, very strange. 
completely out of order with the rest of the world. You can just give like, um, what's the our measurement system called? It's a metric system and there's another one. You know how like other, but like we know, like, like it's so hard for a American convert thing for like, you mean like there's another way to do it. Relationships are much the same in America. We are going about relationships in a way that is very out of sync with the rest of the world. And we have way worse out. There are more single parent households in America than anywhere else on earth. That's not a good thing. Now it's being, uh, oh, here I go. I can see it in my eyes. It's being presented as like, wow, yeah, independence. But when you think about it in terms of family and relationships, we have a problem. Okay, the United States has more single parent households than anywhere else on the planet, and it, it begs the question: How well are we really doing with this whole independent thing? We have the most single parent households, and on top of that, here's another statistic: single single parent households, especially single parent households led by mothers. So mothers are the single parent of the household, have the worst outcomes talking about education, job opportunities, are they going to college and staying in it and graduating? Um, what's, what am I, what's the word I'm thinking of? Kids acting out in school, so we have more kids. Those, those kids in that context, single-parent households by mothers, more oppositional defiant disorder, diagnosed with that, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, is the disorder in chi- is a dis- is a disorder that is diagnosed for children, and then it turns into like their first diagnosed with ODD turns into narcissistic personality disorder, or sociopathic tendencies. You can Google it. I just went to school for it and and, and learned this stuff every day. I read about it all the time. But seriously, like, this is important to understand like these connections, right? This is it's not a coincidence that this group of people under single-parent households are having worse outcomes, and the United States has the highest number of this group. And then black families in particular have the highest number of that number. It's a problem. All right. So those are some statistics. As far as divorce goes, a lot of us are on the same page at this point about like what we understand that there's about half of, half of, half of married couples get divorced. It's even worse for black families. I'm going to keep saying this. Uh, I have to be specific. It's awkward for me too. Okay. It's awkward for me. And I grew up in a single parent household with my mother. So all of this stuff is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but at this point, I think that those of us that are uh, qualified to say something about this need to start being a little bit more direct. Okay. And we have to get over it. So here's another side note. We have to get over ourselves and our own traumas and our own issues and work through them so that we can, as qualified people, say something about this. So I got to keep being direct and specific about black families because this is something that we have as a community not addressed, just to be short, just not, not addressed. So we need to kind of put it in our face, like black families have the biggest issue of this big issue. It's a problem. Okay, so about half of half of people are getting divorced just across the board, regardless of race, ethnicity. Um, yeah. So in black families, it's even worse. For black women, it's even worse. Black women get married at the lowest rate of everybody, and they and they file for divorce at the highest rate of everybody. So you're getting married the least, 
and you're staying married the shortest. It begs the question, what's going on? It's not, it's not, it's, it's, life is not insecure. Like life is not, like life is not like these, like Netflix shows where like everything turns out like happily ever after. Like that's not real life. These are, there's like real implications for these things. And if you are under age, you know, whatever. I'm like, if you if you have the opportunity to do something differently, and you're young enough to do it. You got to get serious about it. I mean, because um, black women, especially, you're, so you're going to marry the least. You're staying married the shortest. You also are making the least amount of money. The statistics about like I, this is an uncomfortable conversation. Geez, I know people don't want to hear this, but here we are. So the statistics that, a lot, that some black women hang on to, or women in general, let's talk about women in general and then black women, women in general about like, okay, you're dominating the workforce. You're getting these like executive level positions. Think about it like this. First of all, anytime that someone is offering information that makes you feel excited, you should pause. Because... You have to understand, well, you don't have to do anything. I say that all the time. You don't have to do anything. It would be helpful for you to understand that things that make you excited are making them money, okay? It's making some system money. Why is that important? Because they're more concerned with that kind of thing, getting women excited about being independent and going to the workforce and having these executive level positions, but they're not telling you what happens next, and they're not, it's not necessarily being honest, Okay, so this whole like uh, women entering the workforce or there's more. Here's another one. Women, um, women becoming like there's the biggest number of entrepreneurs. Right. Okay, but most of those women are making way less money. Like most women are making under most black women are making under fifty thousand dollars a year. Three out of four under fifty thousand a year. So this kind of thing is important because if you are going to, uh, if you plan on having a functioning life where you are not compounding your stress, it might be wise to uh, understand marriage and the benefits rather than seeing it as like this thing that's going to take something from you. Ooh, this is a big conversation. Let me try to stay focused. Let me, I have to say one more thing. You see it just coming out of me. Um, so it's not, so this idea that like pairing up with, with being in marriage is going to take something from you. And I could say that I can make an argument for men as well. It's just that men in general are just making more money than women. And so the issue is not as extreme. Like the, the, the implications is not, are not as extreme as they are for women. That's just a fact. Okay. It's just a fact. And I know sometimes these facts suck. But uh, this kind of idea that something, something that marriage is going to take something from you, um, that the argument, or rather, the if I were to spotlight the men, that the men are thinking, oh, she's just going to take all my money. First of all, the big question is, do you even have any money to take? It's, it's not a joke. I'm really saying that. So people who are scared of things like that, it's like, okay, well, do you really even have the resources for someone to spend tens of thousands, $10,000 in, in divorce court get your $8,000? I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm just, it's a question. So some of these things are narratives that we've just perpetuated in our own minds. But when you're looking at your individual life, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so I hope that as we continue, as we go through this information, hopefully that starts to make a little bit more sense.
Okay, so the United States is weird um, in terms of how we our relationship patterns. Um, I have to leave it at that for now because there's just other things we have to talk about. And it's such a big conversation. I'm just I'm trying to stay focused. All right, so I want to talk to you about the barriers. Why is it so hard for people to address the single mother issue? Here's some things. Here's some things. And this is regardless of, of race, okay, race or gender. Again, this is a genderless issue. But the truth is, just like with any issue, it's going to affect certain groups more. And I think it's important that I specifically talk about black people specifically. Okay. So, but this information I think is helpful for anyone that, um, and if you had grew up with, I think it's helpful for anyone period, especially then if you grew up with a single mother and then especially if you're a black man or a black woman, cause this is disproportionately affecting you. All right. So why is it so difficult? The single mother has, um, essentially been like, elevated to the position of God mentally. Okay. And what does that mean? That a lot of people that grew up with single mothers had moms that they would uh, describe, like I say, how do you describe your mother to someone if someone said, what's your mom like? And a lot of words that come up are things like she's really productive. Um, She was in charge, authoritative. Um, she got things done. She was in control, things like that. Right. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people that grew up in these households knew that she was boss and she was probably willing to remind you of that. So it creates a gap between your experience. Let me rewind that your experience of your mother for, for a lot of people in these situations is not her, not actually her as a human being it's a more uh what's the word i want to think of it's a more decorated hey it's a more decorated identity a more decorated form so think about what i just said right grew up feeling like mom is in charge and she was likely willing to remind you of that if you had something to say that was in opposition. It creates a gap between who she actually is as a human and who you perceive her to be, which is why I say they're often like kind of elevated to a position of God mentally because you're not supposed to question, right? And this person sort of uh, creates this... uh, a strong power imbalance. Now, why do they do that? Why do they do that is a different question. Um, that's a different conversation, but I, I'll just throw this little thing out here about this. Why do they uh, feel the need to create this big power imbalance? Well, think about your mom and how much she needs to protect and how she needed to keep things in order or else. I mean, you've taken away a whole nother financial source, the father, Right, whether that was her husband or not, taking away a financial source, you've taken away emotional support in again a partner. So, and then she's usually the one that's taking on the majority burden of responsibility. Think about again, we talk about the statistic of the extended family. The United States, only eleven percent, compared to thirty-four percent around the globe, are living in extended family households. So these mothers are more likely to be taking on 
the large burden of responsibility that in other places around the globe, they're at least more likely to have someone nearby or in the house to help out. So the single mother is facing a lot of stress in short. So then you can sort of start to understand, and this is totally not the whole picture of it, okay? But you can begin to start to see a picture of, okay, I can see why she needed to rule with an iron fist or had at least she had maybe had the perception that she needed to do that in order to keep things in order. A lot of that comes out of fear, like fear that if I do not keep it rigid and keep the hierarchy in order, and they're not necessarily thinking about it in these terms, but you could understand looking back at your experience, right? If I felt I needed to keep things in order, and I, and I needed to tighten the ship, keep the chip tight because I fear that if I don't, that things are going to get really bad. Okay, so we can start to sort of understand and have some compassion for mothers in this position. But um, yeah, so that cre- that makes, that's one of the barriers why it's difficult for people to sort of address this issue because you're literally not used to, you've been conditioned to not question mom. Another part of that is you actually see how much she really did do for you, right? Was able to, was functioning for you. She likely worked. Most, most of the single moms are working to fill in the gaps, right? So you likely saw that she did, you saw how, you saw how she provided. And so it makes it difficult for the adult children. I see this all the time. This is so many of my clients. Okay. I have this conversation. I have this, I start this conversation all the time, multiple times a week. Okay. So you're far from the only one. So it becomes really difficult to see them as maybe missing something because we're conditioned to see them as being the provider and the all-encompassing, the God, right? They do it all. And if you're like me, for a long time, you praise it. And there is a, there is a space for honoring that and appreciating that, and that's real, and then there's also a space for grieving what you didn't get because that other, because the reality existed. But then there's this other unrealized, think about it like this, unrealized potential of what the relationship between you and your mother could have been. S- simply both couldn't exist at the same time. She had to do all of this. You can't, you literally can't do it all. Right. And so in a way for us to protect ourselves from having to confront that gap is to essentially make ourselves believe that it was for the best. Now, there's an argument that it was, but then there's an argument that it's not because now we're in therapy, right? Now you're in therapy. Now you talk about it. Now you got all these mother wounds, daddy issues, and all this stuff. So was it for the best? I would caution you against trying to label it as the best or the worst or good or bad and just see it instead of it was what it was and then working from there, okay? Because there's no point in judging it. Most mothers don't do this um, and I'll talk, I'll do, I'll do a thing about, about the, about the father that was kicked out too. Cause we need to, we definitely need to have a conversation about that and what the real experience of those men are, um, because it's, it's presented as one way and it's really usually not that way. So I'll say this again, uh, the majority of mothers I make the same argument for men that, that were, that were not able to be in the house as fathers aren't doing it on purpose. They really are doing it at a place of, I think that this is what I need to do. So, you know, there's really no need to label it as good or bad, best or worst. Now, are some some parents, someone asked me this question on the live the other day, are some parents or mothers intentionally being cruel? I can't make the judgment. We can't make the judgment. We got to talk to the mom. But I didn't say in general, you know, we talked about statistics earlier, right? Statistically speaking, very few 
moms are sociopaths. Very few. Very few moms moms are actually like diagnosable narcissists. Narcissism is a personality disorder. It's not just a title that people are just throwing around. It's a personality disorder. It has criteria, objectively, objective criteria, okay? It's not just how you feel or just what you experience. It's objectively measured. So I say that because it's important in the reframe of how you're experiencing your parents if you want to start healing this stuff. A lot of times someone isn't with, isn't intentionally withholding something from you. Let's leave it at that. Most people are not sociopaths. Most people are not malicious, especially towards their children. Doesn't mean that it didn't have a negative effect, but it can significantly change how you relate to them, how you relate to them mentally and emotionally. Big difference between you're doing that. You, you are hurting me on purpose and you are choosing not to love me. Door number one and door number two, you really didn't, you really didn't know how to love me. You were in a hyper aroused, um, you were traumatized yourself, right? You, you had all of this stress. You were working, you had kids and you had a you had relationship trauma with my father and because a divorce is traumatic. Now, a lot of women will tell you that I'm so much happier after my divorce. Yeah, I'm so much happier after leaving my ex too. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a traumatic break. You were married to someone or you weren't and you had a child with them and now you're no longer together. That is trauma. That's trauma. Let's just, okay. And, and a lot of moms, this is another barrier to, to confronting these issues, refuse to recognize it as such. Why? Because of how it, how it might come off to you as their child. They want to they wanna maintain their ego, the front, that they really are happier because they don't want to seem like they're in a position that they need to be rescued. That's a lot of single mothers' worst fear, especially black ones. Don't want to look like they're in a position where they need to be rescued. And so you never really get the story how much it hurt that they're not with that they're not with the father of their child. Okay. So uh, mm. so as you start to learn this stuff, and as we keep going through this information, I'm only on the first thing. We got a lot to talk about today. But as you start to learn this information, something that can be helpful for you is to not try to get your mother to admit it okay it can be tempting it can be tempting because you're going to hear this stuff and I know it makes a lot of sense I know it makes sense right and as you're hearing this and you start to relate to this your own experience you're gonna be like that makes a lot of sense mom you know that you probably I know you said that you really didn't that you were so much happier after the divorce but did you know that that was traumatic did you know that you're probably carrying around a big wound because you never went to therapy don't expect her to be like you know what babe uh I think you're right I think you're right, and I will find a therapist today. It's not likely to happen, okay? So as you understand this, you know, you need to talk to a therapist about how to manage knowing it and not getting it validated by the same person that you know it about, okay? Um, Oh, my gosh, Edgar, thank you. He said, I love the podcast. I appreciate the content, and it has helped him. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, That makes me feel really good. I appreciate that. Okay, so we're still on barriers, and I I still have more. We still have a lot to talk about, so just kind of take it slow. Let's take it slow. So there there can be a lot of defenses um, to this, your mom being defensive. Um, again, we said trying to kind of uphold this mask, uphold this ego that she doesn't need to be rescued. And so it can be very difficult to admit that she did something wrong or that she needed help. Okay. 
um, especially when she was the one that filed for divorce. There can be a lot. There can be some shame in that. Oh, Shantal said, my goodness, this is painful. But wow, I, this, this is hard to hear. That's why this is like the tip of the iceberg. That's why I'm going so slowly. And I take this really seriously because it is a lot. And um, I put this, I already wrote the caption for this podcast, but just like with anything I would say is triggering. Um, and I put a reminder in the, in the, in the caption. If it feels like it's too much, seriously, just exit and come back to it. And I'm not just, I'm not talking to you, Sean. I'm talking about anybody that catches this, even in the replay. Right. If you start to like feel like it's so um, if it starts to feel really uh, uncomfortable, you can always come back to it because this is a lot. And we've we're, we're literally conditioned to not look at it this way. And again, like so just something we talked about at the beginning, you know, our brain is here to protect us. And some things that are so painful, it's only doing its job by compartmentalizing it and making it look like something that it's not. If you have a toxic ex, you're familiar Right. It can be difficult to see who's really in front of you because your brain wants to protect you. It doesn't want to actually believe that it's being hurt. So it does all of these little things to keep you from actually confronting the issue. And that's one of the reasons why it is so difficult. Neurological barrier to addressing this is why one of the reasons why it is so difficult for people to um, it's so difficult for people to come into this conversation because you are overcoming so many mental barriers to it. And so good for you for even li- for even listening, because this is really, really hard. OK, so um, so she did a lot. She's uh, elevated to a position of essentially like a god um, defensive, the ego, um, not wanting to look like she needs to be rescued. How about this? The archetype of the mother talked a little bit about this on the last live. So an archetype is essentially like a sim, like a symbol that is introjected, internalized into you to make meaning out of it. I argue that the strongest archetype in the world is the archetype of the mother. Okay, just the word alone is going to elicit an emotional response, whether it's positive, negative. You have an image of what mother is, and. Throw a word in. If you're listening to this, just okay, put a word in it. Just put a word on it. I'll drink some water. What's what's the what's the image of the mother? The image of the mother. What is it? Just throw a word. Quality, characteristic, personality trait. Something physical. Something emotional, something mental, strong. Yeah. Nurturing can be one. Protector, mm, powerful. Mm. Archetype, thank y'all. Mother Earth. It's interesting because I would wonder um, hmm, rock. She's an octopus. What does that mean? Soft. Hmm. So we have these different emotional words, physical, mental, mental images of something physical, something strong for some, soft or nurturing. Mother Earth, the mother, mother of God, the mother. Um. There's a lot of, regardless of what words come up to you, we could probably all agree that the word, it's not, it has become something other than a word. 
And that's kind of what an archetype is. There's also there's other archetypes like the hero, the lover, the seductress or seducer. Okay. So these things come become more than a word because they have so much meaning that we've put on it. So it's a lot of weight on the word. So it's no longer a word, it's an image. And the image is no longer just an image. It's a now it's become human. Now you have a mother. And think about how mm, as a whole of society in the world as a world citizen this image of mother has so much weight on it and now they're walking around in human forms so you take this introjection hey you take this introjection and you now project it we're all we are all perpetrators of projection okay we all do it and the only thing we can do is close the gap between the moment we project and noticing what we're doing so before we become conscious of it we project this image, this meaning of the mother onto our mother. Okay. And this whole time she's giving you feedback, whether she is or is not that. Think about the lover. Okay. So let's come out of the mother for a second. Think of the lover and how the archetype of the lover has created so many issues in modern relationships because there is all this meaning attached to what a lover is, and now you have a human one in front of you. You have a human one laying beside you, and you've taken this introjection and projected onto this person who is acting as the lover, and they're giving you feedback all along the way about whether they are or are not that. It's the same thing. Chantal said that um, octopus was one of the things that she associated with mother. She said it's like she has eight hands working simultaneously with one head like an octopus. And no human was meant to do that. So this is another issue that we have. So we think about that, right? Like I imagine the mother is doing all of these things at once and she's supposed to have full control over all eight of her arms and she's a human with two. Think about that and how that introjection might affect how we experience the mother. There's a lot to be said about that kind of thing. Hmm. So we have this archetype, this super strong archetype of the mother that projects all of these expectations on these human mothers. Okay. And so that can be a barrier to addressing this, to confronting this, because you have to reconcile who my mother is as a human being and what I thought she was supposed to be, what the world told me she is mother of God Mother Earth, mother who is all able and all strong and the rock. But who is my mother? Right. And we have to reconcile these things in the healing process. OK. And what is that going to help to do? It helps to reduce blame, criticism. It helps you to um, start to disc starts to allow you to be a human being because you are no longer internalizing these unrealistic expectations of like what you are as a woman. Or as a man, men have to deal with the same thing. They just relate to it differently. And, I'm, and again, I'm not just talking to women here. That was a very woman thing. But um, men have the same issue. There is the archetype of the mother for everyone, right? We all have to deal with that. And so um, men just relate to it differently. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So just like men deal with defensiveness in their mothers too, it's just that so put it like this, one of, the, one of the ways that men and women are relating, relate to this differently is that girl becomes woman, mom was a woman, girl looks to mom more for information about herself, whereas boy, who turns to man, father is a man, they're going to look to father more often than not for their feedback, 
okay, whether or not he was present or not, okay? Um, so, okay. So, like, in the context of, like, defensiveness, women experience their mother's defensiveness differently than men do, okay? Why? Because men don't, aren't naturally going to have as high of expectations for answers from their mother. They're expecting it from their father instead, Uh, the, the other side of that coin is that even though they don't naturally, shouldn't naturally, shouldn't naturally try to get that information from their mother. If all you have is your mother, who else do you get it from? Well, now we're out of order, right? So now you have boys that turn to men or and when they're in their, when they're still in boys state looking for answers from who, about who they are from their mother, because there wasn't another parent to get feedback from. So this is... Uh, Gosh, this is so big. There's so many things to say about this. Okay, another barrier. I'm going so slowly through this. Is it making sense? Y'all get it? Y'all getting it? Another barrier, generational differences. Um, so much. Uh, so generational differences, one being that like our generation, okay? So our generation has much more awareness about like emotional intelligence, vulnerability, hey, Emotional intelligence, vulnerability, the need to, uh, emotional needs in general. We have a huge generational gap. So that's making it difficult for people to have these conversations with their mothers. They're feeling like they're being gaslit when much more likely, again, we talked about like right, very low numbers of, of mothers or fathers are intentionally, maliciously trying to trick you. Okay. So what's happening is you're having these people go to, um, we're having these people try to confront their mother, you know, once we become aware of this stuff and it's, they're like, hey, I didn't get the emotional validation that I needed. And your mother is legitimately like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, it wasn't even necessary. Like I did everything else. And you want to come talk to me about emotions? I heard that. Right. And it's not necessarily that someone's intentionally trying to gaslight you, but it's just a lack of awareness. I say this all the time. No one can take accountability for something that they don't acknowledge exists. And so, again, this is why I think you need to talk to, be, talk to a therapist as you're working through this so that you can process not getting some of the things that you think that you are entitled to, like validation. Because if they can't acknowledge that the gap exists, they can't take accountability for it. Think about it on their end. It would be like them apologizing for, for something that they are certain that they didn't do. It can feel like you're manipulating them. I mean, that's just the re that's this is how hu the human process works. So if they can't acknowledge that that it even exists, you can't expect them to take accountability for it. And then you are then left with the burden of processing that and of getting the non knowing that it's true and not having it verbally or emotionally validated. It's a different different problem. Woo! Oh my gosh, this is so much, y'all. I did not want to even be talking about this stuff. But I feel like now I got to talk about it. All right. Um, what else is the generational difference? Uh, women's rights. So the way that they related to this is a whole lesson. This is a whole lesson. Um, so women, women were got got rights. Okay, women got rights, and with that, so short history nutshell. Right, with more rights, you're afforded more freedom. Women utilized the freedom. They took advantage of the freedom. Right like most people would like, okay, now you get the keys to, you get the keys to the gate that you said that you wanted. So here you are. And it's created one of the, it's one of the reasons that we have this big imbalance between functional mothers and relational mothers, 
because they took the freedoms and became highly functional, right? Didn't we talk about more people becoming entrepreneurs, more people getting, I didn't say this, but more women are getting degrees than anybody else. Um, more black women are getting degrees than anybody else. Um, they're working, they're making money, even though when you actually look at the numbers, it doesn't actually like add up. Anyway, so they're utilizing the freedom. And then we have this imbalance because they become highly functional and minimally relational. And yeah, I will, um, I will share it. I'm going to post it so you can share it. And I hope you do share it. Thank you. Um, so highly functional, minimally relational. So this is one of the generational differences. Our generation does not relate to function in the same way, right? Didn't we just say that we are more emotional, we're more emotionally uh, aware, right? So we're more relationally focused naturally as a generation. Last generation, everybody, this is new stuff. This stuff is new. Okay, so we don't relate to function the same way or money the same way, right? We can probably all agree. We can probably all agree. And so when you think about the generational difference between you and your mother and how she was taught and conditioned to believe that you needed money and functionality and the relational stuff wasn't so important because we got freedom to go get the money, money became king. And then you have kids that are like, wait a second, that doesn't seem right. But we grew up in very different times, very different, just a couple years apart, but very di- relate very differently to that. So that is a barrier to confronting this issue with the single moms because for a lot of their accounts are telling them um, that they did the right thing, right, and that they took full advantage of what they could. And they were applauded for it. And now every, every, every solution creates a new problem. I sometimes put it like this. Like when I got a new car, the car bills got higher. My rent, I mean, my uh, car insurance was higher. It cost more to uh, maintain the car. When I got this big old TV, I had a 76-inch TV right here. When I got this big-ass TV, everything got more expensive. And when, I, when I moved, it was, more, it was like, oh, if your TV's over this many inches, pay more. <laughs> Oh, the movers, you got to pay more to do that. You got to pay you got to pay more to get it mounted. You got to pay more. If something happened with that TV, it would cost more. So with more, when every solution creates a new problem. So again, that's why I I discourage someone from labeling or judging your mother and I'm just talking about mother and I should I'm, I should do a thing about this about the fathers. Um and I will cuz I'm you don't have equal opportunity. So, uh Avoiding judging whether something that they did was good or bad and just see it just as, a, as information, okay? Because um, every solution, their solution be creating, giving you a functional and structurally workable space to grow up in was a solution for them. Working extra to, for example, um, supplement the income that they didn't have with the partner or the husband it was a solution to work more, and it created a problem. Just like how this generation, I can't wait to see this happen because we all going to be looking at looking at ourselves looking stupid because what will happen is this generation that's so focused on emotion, we're creating a problem. You just can't see it yet. Just like how they created a problem, and they could have never predicted that their children were going to turn around and say, but what about my emotional needs? Just like how we're creating, we're creating a, by solving this problem, you will create another problem. Get used to it. It's just life. That's why I was just talking about the TV and the car. I solved a problem. I created a new one and it's going to be more expensive. So 
careful when you're confronting your parents about this because you're going to be that par- that parent too that tries to do everything right. And your kid's going to turn around and say, but what about this? And you're going to be like, what the hell? So careful how you treat these people because you're treating yourself the same way. Mm. Oops. Oops. Let me, let me stay on track. So those are some of the generational issues. Okay, so those are the barriers. Now we're going to talk about the effects. This is a lot. We're already 40 minutes in. I think I should maybe stop it here, actually. I think I'm going to stop it here. Because this is already too much, and we're all, and it's going to take, it's definitely going to take another 45 minutes. I think that this was a good start. I want to be... I care so much about this issue that what I don't want to do, the last live I did was 90 minutes and I had no idea like how that, I didn't know idea how it was going to go. I didn't even expect to get into all the things that I did get into. Uh, I think that out of respect for the issue and out of understanding that this is so new for so many people to confront, I want to do this in a digestible way where someone can feel like they can sit through it and actually listen and get, if I start talking about the effects on the relationship and what you can do about it, I honestly think it's going to be too much. So how about we do this? I appreciate you being here. I really do. Thank you for li- this. I think this was good. I mean, this is a good place to, to pause. And uh, late, the next live that I do, I, I'm, com- I'll, I'm committing to it. Okay. The next live that I do now, I got to put a whole other episode on my pocket. I'm cr- See how this is a solution. I'm creating a problem. You see this? The solution is it's going to be more digestible, more shareable. The problem is now we're going to have to do this all again. So this is a perfect example. Okay. So uh, I'm going to be spending more time and energy, but it's worth it. All right. So I'm going to cap it here. I'm going to cap it here. Um, I need you guys, if this is resonating with you, if this makes sense, especially if you're black. Yep. Especially if you're black, I need you to share this with somebody, okay? Because this is a major problem and we need to start talking about it. I gave you some stats. I talked about the, the, the barriers that are preventing us from not just not just black people, but in, a lot of people from confronting this issue, the single mother issue, the single mother effect. Um, I am putting it on the podcast. This episode is going to be on here tomorrow. I'm not going to edit it or anything. I'm just going to throw it up there so that more people can see it. The next time I go live, and it might even be tonight. No, it won't be. Nope. Um, <laughs> won't be that. And it won't be tomorrow either. You know, tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's my birthday. So it's not going to be tomorrow. Um, so some other time soon, um, I'm going to talk about the effects that this, the single mother effect on relationships and then what you can do about it, y'all. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I think that we need to do our part in fixing this issue, regardless of the race, regardless of gender. We're all affected. We're all affected. The, 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 more this, the more we just let this stuff happen, the worse we all are. You got a bunch of traumatized people. Thank you. Thank you. I could, I could only be a Virgo. I could only be a Virgo. Like, I mean, what else would I be? <laughs> Thank you, Jade. I love me a Virgo, too. Mm-mm-mm. So, yeah, we, we've, we've got to do this together, guys. we got a bunch of traumatized people walking around, pairing up, having kids, breaking up, doing a bunch of crazy things. And now I'll never be able to retire. I'll never be able to retire. So I'm trying to let's get this done so that I, we can stop. We can all stop talking about this. How about that? All right, guys, I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening and share it, please. DM me with any other stuff that you want to talk about with this issue. I'll be here. Bye, guys. Happy birthday to me. Well, 
that was a lot. <laughs> That's why we're going to break it up. And we're going to take this chunk by chunk. If this is speaking to you and you think that you need to get this stuff worked out, please use the free call in the show notes, free 20 minute call. We can talk about it and see how it might be able to help. If this is speaking to you and you think it's going to speak to someone else, please do your part and help us. Yeah, all of us by sharing it and bringing this issue to the forefront. There's a lot of shame attached to this kind of thing. There's a lot of confusion, anger, resentment, feelings of betrayal, denial, going in and out of those emotions, feeling totally okay sometimes and totally not okay about it other times. Yeah, yeah. That's what grief and trauma will do. And so it's okay. It's normal, but you do not have to live with it. We can begin and effectively resolve these issues. So thank you for listening. And you know where to find me if you need me.